MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, May 17th, 2021. Today, the Department of Justice asks for and is granted a one-week extension to make a decision in the Barr memo handoff. Another Matt Gates exclusive from the Daily Beast, Joel Greenberg is expected to plead guilty today to six of the 33 counts against him and cooperate with the federal government. Congressional leaders reach a deal on the Insurrection Commission. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is committing tax fraud. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how was your weekend? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> funny. I'm sorry I started laughing at the top of the show. A.G. and I were talking about something off off of uh, <laughs> during the thing, and then all of a sudden we were supposed to act like we weren't. Anyway, weekend was good. Um, I actually had a benefit uh, event Saturday night for um, a private school in Los Angeles that was doing an event, and they asked me if I could help. So it felt sort of good to kick off some dust and um, do their live auction for them. It was really successful. And then today I went to the growers market and got like fresh vegetables and fruit and, and like everything's fine this weekend. It was a good weekend. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, I got up early this morning, went for a walk, but it was all rainy and gross. So now I'm in my jammies. So we're doing the uh, jam. I came home, got into my onesies and uh, that's how we're, that's how it's going down today. Do they have feet? Do they have feet? No, no feet. Oh, yeah. man. Okay. That's okay. Unfortunately. If you're forgetting. I wish they had feet. We'll be talking later in the show to Ellie Honig. We're going to talk about that Joel Greenberg cooperation agreement, what his thoughts are on the Bill Barr memo. I'll talk about that a little bit uh, at the top of the hot notes, too. And, you know, there's so much other there's many things that are like sort of working their way in the background. Like, what's up with Rudy? Right. <laughs> you know, I, I know that they're going to put a special master in charge there and go through the documents and, and find all the crimes. And, uh, you know, the, the former guy, uh, Horsey McSnuffles, seems more unhinged than usual posting on his dumb blog about the biggest crime of the century. Uh, and that happens as ballots are moved past the Crazy Times Carnival to a weird storage facility in Arizona. Oh, good Lord. It's just a shit show. So that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, no real new news there. But, you know, I'm, my concern is is that, you know, I, it, it dawned on me this weekend. What if they're just harvesting voter data that they can sell to Russia or something? I don't know. It's Yo, it's, I wouldn't put it past them. Are you kidding? I feel like we live in a sci-fi movie sometimes, like a Marvel comic movie. Yeah, I just don't have the criminal sort of mastermind to figure out what, what the real reason behind it is other than to tamper with uh, votes and harvest voter data. Yeah. But we'll see. We do have a ton of news to get to, so let's let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So as we all know, today was the deadline for Merrick Garland to either hand over the Bar OLC memo or appeal Judge Jackson's decision. But on Friday, the Department of Justice filed for an extension for one week, moving the deadline to next Monday, May 24th. As a reminder, that memo was held back by the Department of Justice under Exemption 5 to the FOIA rules in a FOIA case bought by CREW, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. And Barr used that memo to make his determination that Trump's behavior did not amount to criminal obstruction of justice, which, of course, is bullshit. Uh, a couple of things could be at issue here. Why he's delaying it for a week. Garland could want to appeal the release of the memo, either in part or in whole, or 
he may need to address the attorneys that are still working at the Department of Justice, the two attorneys that Judge Jackson raked over the coals and took to task for not informing her of what's in the first part of that memo. Uh, You can hear Andrew Weissman and I discuss the different parts of the memo being considered on yesterday's episode of Mueller, she wrote. Uh, I asked Joyce Vance, Dana, what she thinks, the continuance, why she thinks it was requested. And her take is very simple. Occam's razor. She said, hey, there could be disagreements among different officials within the department. And Garland wants to hear them all out before he issues a decision in the interest of due process. And he may just need a little more time for everyone to voice their opinions. Again, I think he will address all those objections within the department, discuss the importance of the deliberative process and attorney-client privilege FOIA exemptions, but ultimately, I think he'll hand the memo over. I hope you're right. I want to be clear that I don't have any inside information or sources within Maine Justice that have told me that. I'm just basing it on the opinions of like Andrew McCabe and Andrew Weissman, other experts I've spoken to. Uh, The incredibly clear justification of the release of the memo outlined by Judge Jackson in her opinion, and of course Merrick Garland's previous remarks about accountability and the rule of law. But we will know soon, so put some beans on it. Thank you so much for kicking us off with that, AG. I've got more Matt Gates info, and this is just more disgustingness. He's such a POS. In 2019, Matt attended a fundraising event with an escort named Megan Zalonka. So she was then uh, had an after party in Gates's room, where people witness Gates doing cocaine. Fine, whatever. What makes Alanka special is that she was given a no-show taxpayer-funded job. So, while the Daily Beast could not confirm that Gates and Zalanka had sex that night, two sources said the pair had an ongoing financial relationship in exchange for sex. It's a quote, she was just one of the many pieces of arm candy he had, said one source familiar with the encounters between the two. Now, Gates, who insists he's never paid for sex... Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, And I'm straight. Okay, so wrote off, says he's never paid for sex. He wrote off the stay at a hotel as a campaign expense. Now, that's the crime here, as we're a pro-sex work kind of show, as you know. So we don't care about the paying for sex part. We do care about the writing it off part. (laughs) So Zalanka, who's an amateur fashion model and the communications director for the American Medical Marijuana Physicians Association, received $4,000 on what? Venmo from Greenberg during his first year in office in 2017. Now, this was mostly in $500 installments. We've seen this. This is a pattern with these guys. And Greenberg, who is married, as we know, listed various explanations for why he paid Zalanka. Now, in the memo fields of the Venmo payments, he said uh, her $500 was for stuff and another one for owe her stuff. We're just assuming that's other stuff with a typo. And $1,000 for, quote, pool. On a single day in November, he paid $500 for food and another $500 for appetizers. Yeah, I can guess what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woof. Probably finger food. Sorry, I had to. Um, I, it's uh, very... I, it, you're editing that one out? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> If Ellen can do it, so can I. (laughs) Sorry about that. All right. Now, it's very interesting that she was the comms director for the American Medical Marijuana Physicians Association. Gates's friend, Pierzolo, is apparently the director of this little organization. Gates uh, is being investigated for a potential bribery scheme where he introduced legislation to benefit his friend, supposedly in exchange for that trip to the Bahamas. 
Greenberg also paid Zelanka for social media management of one of his shell companies. Now, here's a quote from the Daily Beast. In mid-2018, Zelanka became a spokesperson for the American Medical... uh, I'm just going to call it the AMMPA, so I don't have to keep saying that. Um, And we know that it's a cannabis legalization group who has close ties to Gates. Now, the congressman was feted as a guest of honor at two of its conferences in 2018 and attended the previous year's annual conference in October. So stay with me. The 2017 conference, which Greenberg also attended, featured Republican operative and the former guy's loyalist, Roger Stone, who appeared at Gates' fundraiser after the congressman's keynote speech. Now, that day, October 5th, Greenberg used Venmo to send Zelanka $500 around midday for, quote, rent. So investigators with the Department of Justice's Public Integrity Division, man, they're working overtime, are now examining his <laughs> interactions. I'm like, rent? What's $500? Rent the, rent the booty. That's what yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah, because you're, yeah, nowhere else are you getting any sort of property for that. Uh, Gates' interactions with young women, they're examining Gates' interactions with young women and cannabis industry contacts. This is CNN reported this as part of a probe into whether Gates was provided with sex from escorts in exchange for political favors. He was. Hmm. The sprawling criminal inquiry that originated with Greenberg has since morphed into an investigation into Gates's role in alleged prostitution ring that we know uh, allegedly includes potential sex crimes with a 17-year-old girl. So the probe could soon have a valuable new asset if Greenberg finalizes a cooperation agreement that could turn him into a government witness against Gates and others. That's what's happening as he pleads guilty to those six of the 33 counts. Yep, he's doing that today in court as a, in a plea change hearing. Uh, now, Greenberg is set to plead guilty, like you said, and cooperate with the feds. I'm going to go over that later in the show with Ellie Honig. I've got some other news right now, though. Democrats and Republicans in Congress have reached an agreement on Friday, creating that independent bipartisan commission to investigate the insurrection. But the House GOP leader says he didn't sign off on the deal moments after it was announced. House Homeland Security Chairman Benny Thompson said in a news release that he had reached a deal with the committee ranking member Rep. John Katko on creating a panel styled after the 9-11 Commission to study, quote, the facts and circumstances of the January 6th attack on the Capitol, as well as the influencing factors that may have provoked the attack on our democracy. The proposed 10-person commission will include five members, including a chair appointed by Pelosi and Schumer, and the other five, including a vice chair appointed by Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Yay. Uh, The proposed bill mandates the commissioners have significant expertise in the areas of law enforcement, civil rights, civil liberties, privacy, intelligence, and cybersecurity. So, of course, the Republicans are probably going to put, like, Boebert on there or something. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you want the the people who who approved Ratcliffe to be the director of national intelligence are going to be in charge of picking someone who's good with law enforcement, civil rights, liberties, intelligence, and cybersecurity. And current government officers are prohibited from appointment. Okay, so I guess it can't be current people. Well, that's good. That's kind of good news. The commission will have the authority to issue subpoenas to secure information to carry out its investigation, but that will require an agreement between the chair and the vice chair or a vote by a majority of commission members, and that's according to the legislation. Under the agreement, the commission will be required to issue a report by the end of the year with its findings on the facts and causes of the riot, as well as recommendations to prevent future attacks on the on the Capitol and other Democratic institutions. But will McCarthy sign off? Now, Benny Thompson told CNN Today Sunday that the goal is to get the facts that brought about the insurrection 
and that by hiring a professional commission to look at the facts, we'll get to the root of what happened so they can recommend to Congress what can be done to prevent it from happening again. He also said he didn't know if McCarthy would sign off, but he said he McCarthy was kept informed at every step of the way during this motherfucking thing. So we aren't sure. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing for Benny Thompson. So we aren't sure what's changed for McCarthy. But Benny Thompson feels a commission will go forward. He was then asked how you can have an effective commission when so many Republicans see what happened January 6th as nothing more than a tourist visit. Thompson said there are members, some on the Homeland Security Committee, that will never acknowledge the truth. And that's why the commission is so important. Now, Liz Cheney says McCarthy has important facts, uh, witness facts about January 6th that should be part of the investigations, both criminal and congressional, including discussions he had with Trump on the day of the insurrection. Pelosi and Thompson confirm they're willing to issue subpoenas to the likes of McCarthy and Trump to get to the bottom of what happened. However, it appears that Republicans will have the ability to veto subpoenas as that's up to the chair and vice chair if they agree. And if they don't, a majority vote of members. I don't know what happens if that vote is tied. It is not addressed in this legislation. I hope a tie goes to the winner. Like I said, I've read the language of the full bill. It doesn't say what happens in the event of a tie. If you know, send us a correction at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, I know I talked to Ellie later in the show about having some people like maybe Murkowski or Mitt Romney appointed, but if they can't be current government officials, we'll see how it goes. I don't suspect that McCarthy will want to appoint anyone to that commission that would vote for subpoenas against him you would think. or the former guy. Yeah. Speaking of just horrible human beings, they really do have the best of the best, don't they? An Atlanta Channel mm. 2 Action News investigation has found that Georgia Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene, horrible human being, and her husband have two active homestead exemptions, which is against Georgia law. What? A Republican mm-hmm. breaking the law? <laughs> a homestead exemption, for those of you that don't know, it's basically a big tax break, and any Georgia homeowner is entitled to it for their primary residence. Now, it's against the law to file it for more than one. Channel 2 investigative reporter Justin Gray pulled records showing that the Greens are getting the tax break on two different homes in two different counties. So this isn't, hey, we think they are. This is, we have the paperwork. William Perry is the founder of the nonprofit Georgia Ethics Watchdogs. And they said, you get a tax break for your permanent residence, but you don't get to do that in two places. That's against the law. Now, through open record requests, Channel 2 Action News pulled the Greens' homestead exemption applications in both Fulton and Floyd counties. And Floyd, oh God, AG, if you're being, if you're breaking the law, why are you being such an fuck face openly so that you're drawing attention to yourself. I just don't get it. In Floyd County application, Green's husband left blank the line that asked if they had another active exemption on any property. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> just left it blank. Now, just that one line. Everything else was filled in. But Fulton County tax officials confirmed to Gray that Green never stopped getting the tax break on the Fulton property. So the Fulton County Board of Assessors said in a statement, Quote, the property owners filed for homestead exemption in Fulton County in May 2019. It became effective for the 2020 tax year. Per Georgia law, you can only have one homestead exemption. In this case, Fulton County will consult with Floyd County to confirm and determine in which county the exemption is not valid. The penalty for filing a false homestead exemption, this is according to Georgia code, is twice your tax bill. So for the Greens, according to their 2020 bill, that could be nearly $12,000. That would be a lovely fine. She deserves much, much more, like an expulsion from the Congress, but for other things. Yes. yes. More than 15 hours after our story aired, um, it, their story, 
<laughs> aired. We didn't break that story, but we are reporting it. Uh, spokesman for Marjorie Taylor Greene issued a second new statement calling it, quote, fake news and blaming Fulton County for the error, of course, writing, quote, Fulton County did not respond to request to cancel the exemption in January, possibly due to COVID. Everything has now been corrected. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Channel 2 investigative mm-hmm. reporter Justin Gray reached out to Fulton County to see if they received anything from Green. However, Colton County, excuse me, Fulton County previously told Channel 2 they had received no communication or documents from Green regarding the homestead tax exemption. What do you mean? She lied? No. Mm. Surely not. No. No. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to pay that $12,000 fine, lady. I'm super sorry. Gosh, I'm super sorry I about know. that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well. She's not going to get to buy those Kevlar vests she she was eyeing. You know. All right, we'll be right back to discuss that plea agreement uh, with Joel Greenberg. Uh, that's going to be uh, a discussion with Ellie Honig, and we're also going to discuss the Bill Barr memo and the commission, the 9-11 commission, his thoughts on that. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Listeners know of my love of wine, but shopping for a good one can be overwhelming. There's so many choices. I'm standing in the wine aisle, staring at the shelves. Do I want a red? Maybe something from Oregon, something organic. Maybe just the one with the fancy label. Thankfully, there's First Leaf, a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price you'll find in a store. First Leaf is a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from an employee who doesn't know what you like, and no frustration on your part. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your unique palate and your preferences. Unlike big box wine memberships, First Leaf uses one-of-a-kind algorithms to uh, and your feedback, personal feedback, to curate future wine recommendations. The more wines you taste and review, the better the shipments get. I love their system of rating different wines, too. I give specific preferences based on personal taste, and each shipment has improved more and more as I dial in exactly what I like most. And the great thing is that First Leaf works directly with the world's best winemakers, not only to find the best wines available, but to pass the savings on to you. You can save up to 60% off retail. I love the convenience of First Leaf and exciting times doing the unboxings and then the tasting. It's amazing with the different varietals. And their stuff is really flexible, their subscription system. So it's up to me what wines I get, when I get them, and how often. I usually prefer dry reds, but sometimes I'll get a mix for variety. Uh, I've got some f- a few favorites so far, but I love trying new wines for the first time, too. So if you love wine like I do, I highly recommend trying First Leaf. You can save time and money and stress with First Leaf, the wine club designed with you in mind. Join today, and you'll get six bottles of wine for twenty nine ninety five and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. That's six bottles of wine for twenty nine ninety five and free shipping. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Please welcome former state and federal prosecutor, author of the forthcoming book about Bill Barr called Hatchet Man and host of the third degree podcast, CNN legal contributor Ellie Honig. Ellie, welcome back. Good to be with you, AG, as always. I I always think, well, maybe we'll have a quiet time in legal news, you know, maybe in April or May or June. No, there's no such thing. And it's great. I like it this way. Yeah, no, me too, because it means (laughs) things are moving forward. Yes. Uh, And speaking about things moving forward, this Joel Greenberg plea deal that's happening today, his his plea change hearing is today. He's pleading to guilty to six of the 33 federal crimes he's been charged with. Tell everyone I've been saying you've been saying this and you've been saying it, but Mm -hmm. I'd like I'd like to put those two things together. (laughs) Uh, What does that say about the, the kind of information he must be offering and why it's so important? Yeah. So first things first. Joel Greenberg, even within the vile world of cooperating witnesses who by definition are vile people, is exceptionally vile. I mean, 
I have cooperated murderers, multiple murderers, people who've committed three, four murders. I had one guy who shot so many people we couldn't even re, you know, recalculate them all. So we just estimated at mid thirties. He didn't kill them all. His specialty was sort of shooting him in the legs and the butt to send a message. But anyway, the point is I have cooperated some really, really bad guys. And Joel Greenberg gives me the, the willies as a cooperator. He, I mean, look, he's a child sex abuser. That is to me, an even more difficult sell to a jury than a murderer. I'm not saying it's better or worse than a murderer, but at least to a jury, you go, look, this cooperator told you he committed murder. Who'd he do it with? Who would he do it for? He did it for this mob boss. He did it with this other hitman. They can understand that. They can accept that. A child sex trafficker to me is different. And, and it's worse than that because Joel Greenberg lied. One of the things he's pleading to is he lied about a political rival he had this whole fake internet campaign to say that this poor guy was a pedophile when he was no such thing. Joel Greenberg's admitting that that was a campaign of lies. And Joel Greenberg even ripped off a COVID relief fund. I mean, we've barely even had enough time for COVID relief funds to get up on their feet, and he's already ripped those off. So this guy is a brutal cooperating witness. So the fact that the Middle District of Florida, and I actually through a weird twist of fate, did a big case with them. So I understand a little bit about that office when I was a federal prosecutor at a different district at the Southern District of New York. The fact that they are willing to cooperate, Joel Greenberg tells me really two things. One, they have him corroborated. They have him backed up left, right, and center. Virtually everything that he said. And if you look at the plea documents, they do appear to show this. Virtually every assertion that he makes is backed up by some kind of record financial record, travel record, text, photo, whatever. Number two, they absolutely intend to use his information to make other significant cases. You do not cooperate Joel Greenberg and then say, well, what information do we get from him? Great, let's put it in a file and lock it in a closet. Oh, no, no, no. If you're going to cooperate a guy like Joel Greenberg, that is a serious move that you make and you are going to use that information to charge other people. And throughout the plea papers, there are mentions of and others with others. So I think they're looking at multiple other people here. Yeah. And I would assume that the prosecutors here already have all of the corroborating evidence that he would cooperate about before yep. they offer him this plea agreement. It's not a crapshoot, right? They know they'll be able to back it up because, we, you know, he's so slimy. Rick Gates was uh, too slimy for half of the charges almost against Manafort. And they had to have that documentary evidence to back it up. So are you saying that they already have all this corroborated before they even go into it? Yeah, I would just say maybe not quite all. I mean, you know, you're always gathering it and they may, but, but you have, you have the vast majority of the, of the corroborating evidence. Yes. You don't cooperate someone and say, let's hope for the best with this guy. Let's hope he comes <laughs> through. Let's, let's hope we're able to back him up. Oh, no, no. I guarantee you they have spent days, probably weeks, locked in a small, you know, Joel Greenberg's in jail. So, you know, well, so they, they can bring him over to the prosecutor's office, but locked in some small room with him and an FBI agent, and his lawyer going through in painstaking detail, every little piece of his story. And then, okay, you say you went to a hotel when, where let's get those records. You say you guys lounged and, and jumped off the diving board. I'm sending an FBI agent to make sure there's a diving board at that hotel. I mean, literally to that level of detail. So I, by the time you offer someone a cooperation agreement, which is where we're at now, you have him backed up enough that you are confident. I mean, you know, I can say just about everything. The, the only caveat is you still, you're always still gathering more. 
But yes, they are far enough along that they are ready to make this leap. Of, it's not a leap of faith to, to, to make this commitment and mm-hmm. enter into this agreement. Ah, so and the whole point here is, is that they are not going to be just relying on his testimony because no. he's such a terrible witness. No, and look, <laughs> you, you can't you can't corroborate every single detail. Right. I mean, that's just impossible. Sure. But you need to get enough fence posts, enough enough sort of scaffolding around it that you feel comfortable and that you feel like you you can give them to a jury. And, so, and, and by the way, the pitch to a jury will be sort of a standard cooperator pitch, which is this. You don't have to like Joel Greenberg. In fact, you shouldn't like Joel Greenberg. It's not about whether you like Joel Greenberg. It's about whether you believe him. And whether you believe him is not a matter of faith. It's a matter of bouncing his testimony off all these other records. So, um, you know, they're a pretty careful office in the middle district of Florida, and they know what they're doing. That's not some uh, outpost of, of the U.S. attorneys. I mean, they make major cases there. That's the Tampa area. Um, they know what they're doing. So, you know, they better because the stakes are high here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, question for you, too. Uh, do you agree, sort of? I mean, we don't know what he's proffering. We don't know what he has to offer, we can assume. But the, you know, they they are forcing him to plead guilty to the major six crimes yeah. and forgiving 27 kind of other minor ones. Do you, are you sort of, do you sort of agree with that sort of strategy? Yeah. So I would have, I think it would have been better to just make him eat all 33, all plead to all 33. That said, it sounds worse than it is, right? If, if you just look at the numbers and you go, oh my God, he was facing 33 charges and they let him plead to six, which is one, I don't know, I can't do the math, one fifth of that, one sixth of that. What a break. It is a break in a sense. However, what they'll do is this. Like if you look at the original indictment, there's nine counts or 10 counts relating to this driver's license scam that Greenberg was pulling where he was stealing driver's licenses and then using them to create fake identities. They'll make him plead to one overarching count that covers all of that. So he's not really getting much of a break in the end. It looks like he'll be cross This is why I would make him plead to all 33 because the defense lawyer is going to stand up and go, you were charged with 33 counts and they let you plead to six. They threw 27 out the window and a juror is rightly going to go, wow, that's a sweet deal. And then a prosecutor is going to have to go, yeah, but it's all kind of mentioned in your sentencing papers and you're all, you're going to be accountable for all of it. But that's, you don't want to be on the defensive there if you don't need to. So, so I disagree with that tactic. Yeah. But he is going to get a minimum uh, 10 years of convicted on the child sex trafficking charge alone, right? Well, not no. necessarily, though. No, because that's why the cooperation is so important, because the only way to get under any mandatory minimum, the only way you can get under it, other than certain narrow instances in drug cases, but let's put that aside, for a child sex trafficker, the only way to get under the 10-year minimum is with a cooperation agreement. One of the beauties of getting what we call a 5K letter, a sentencing letter from a prosecutor, is that allows a judge to go under the 10-year mandatory mm. minimum. And and again, defense lawyers are going are gonna to smash him with that on cross-examination. You were looking at guaranteed 10 years behind bars and probably much more than that, and you know that your only ticket out, your only way out from that minimum 10 years is cooperating and pleasing these prosecutors. It's it's a back and forth I've seen many times. Yep. Yep. Us too. And and that yeah, that downward departure, uh, they've they've used that uh, argument in, in a lot of cases that we've covered yep. uh, over the years. You and I, too. Uh, I do have a couple more questions for you, but I do have to take a quick break. Will you stick around? Of course. Awesome. Everybody will be right back. 
Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by Fiverr, connecting businesses with freelancers to change how the world works together. Managing a team and getting everyone on the same page can be very challenging, especially when your freelancers go rogue. But Fiverr Business takes the stress out of group projects by making it easy to find and manage top talent. With Fiverr Business, you get access to an all-star team of super freelancers, plus all the tools and support you need to easily integrate them into your existing workflow. So when it's time for you to nail down your next big brand refresh or a product launch or investor pitch, you can feel confident with Fiverr covering all your bases. If you're hoping to grow your team in business, I highly recommend getting Fiverr's businesses help. In my experience, managing a growing business can get complicated really quickly. So for my next project, which is this new network, I'm going to use Fiverr. Fiverr Business simplifies working with multiple freelancers and matches you with the best talent for every project. So stop wasting time searching for talent. Just leave it to Fiverr Business. No more endless guessing and endless interviews. Plus, save and share your favorite freelancers for future projects. It's a simple way to set your business up for success and vastly increase productivity. Collaborating online hasn't been this easy since, well, ever. And right now you can sign up for Fiverr Business absolutely free for the first year. Get one free year and save 10% on your purchase on Fiverr Business with promo code DAILYBEANS. That's all one word. Just go to Fiverr, F I-V-E-R-R dot com slash business. And don't forget promo code Daily Beans. Everybody, we're talking with Ellie Honig, author of the forthcoming book, Hatchet Man. I can't wait to to discuss that in a, in a moment because we're going to get to something that relates to that. Uh, but I wanted to really briefly ask you about this new insurrection commission and, and uh, sort of go over a, a concern that I have. Republicans get to a point five people, Dems get to a point five but the legislation doesn't tell us what happens in the event of a tie vote on motions to subpoena people. And I'm pretty sure Republicans are going to block everything <laughs> without a stipulation that a tie vote results in actually advancing a motion instead of killing it. What are your thoughts on the effectiveness of this seems like a watered down commission? Yeah, look, it's not going to be the 9-11 commission, right, because that was a true bipartisan effort um, which had extensive powers and everybody was on board and everybody was pulling in the same direction towards we need a real, uh, you know, we, we need a real audit here of what happened. We need a meaningful review. The, the, the January 6th attack has, of course, become politicized because, and we've seen just in the last couple days, certain Republicans, not all, but certain Republicans are clinging to this myth that it would, you know, there's that clip of the representative saying, oh, it was just a normal tourist viewing. They were within the rope lines, right? So because it's because January 6th is, is inextricably tied to the big lie, right? And yeah. yeah, and we've seen just this past couple of weeks, the power, the enduring power of that big lie, or at least people pretending to believe in that big lie out of fealty to, to Donald Trump. So, you know, I look at this January 6th commission, I I, I was going to say better something than nothing, but I guess maybe not. If, if they're really, if their hands mm-hmm. are really tied, um, then maybe not. But I mean, the interesting thing will be, let's take Kevin McCarthy, right? Kevin McCarthy is obviously a key witness here because he had key communications with Donald Trump at key points during that day and after. Yep. And what happens, and I'm just sort of echoing your point here, what happens if they want to talk to him and he refuses or declines or claims some bogus presidential privilege or whatever, and you're going to have a split committee? I mean, I think the best that the, I'll say Democrats on the committee, because I'll assume it'll be, if it's split by party, can do is drop a footnote saying, we wanted to speak with McCarthy. He clammed up and the, and the five Republican members refused to join us. Now, hopefully, the, it'll be really interesting to see who both parties put on this committee because especially looking at the Republican side, I mean, if they come up with anything other than five, you know, true believers, five Lauren Boeberts, um, then we could still have hope. I mean, if, if one of the people on the committee, forget about Adam Kinzinger, obviously they're not going to put a guy like him who's so clear-eyed on this committee. But I mean, even just an average 
Republican who doesn't feel the need to lie through his teeth for Trump. I mean, you know, name, name your pick. But if one of them makes their way onto the committee, that can really change the calculation here. So that'll be key to see who gets put on this committee. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping since McConnell has a hand in deciding that maybe we'll see somebody like a Romney or a Murkowski or, or something to that effect. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, of course, the Department of Justice is is investigating and can always investigate the insurrection. And speaking of the Department of Justice <laughs> uh, and your new book coming out, it's called Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department. I wanted to ask you about this Bill Barr OLC memo response. Uh, it's been delayed by a week. It was supposed to come out today, Monday. Uh, or, you know, uh, Merrick Garland was supposed to either appeal uh, Judge Jackson's decision or hand over the memo or parts of the memo to the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, who would probably make it public. Right. But he asked for a continuance. He was granted. So now it's going to be on the 24th. Why do you think Garland needs another week on this? I have no idea. And I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, I, I have to assume he's just studying the legalities behind it a little more. But to me, I mean, what's remarkable, Allison, is my book went to the printer two weeks ago, right? Meaning, and, and, I, <laughs> and I found that out because I was, I've been frantically emailing my editors going, oh my God, there's a brand new scandal or this scandal just got even worse. Can I add this page? And they go, it's got to be for the paperback now. I mean, the fact that we are four months, four and change months removed from Bill Barr leaving office and we're still learning about New scandals and scandals that go even deeper, I think, speak so loudly to just how corrupt he was and just how much damage he did. I mean, this story is is a perfect example. We already knew Bill Barr completely fudged the no obstruction finding on the Mueller report, right? We've now had Mueller himself said it. Multiple federal judges have now said he obfuscated. And by the way, in the book, I just say Bill Barr's a liar. Like, I don't lightly call someone a liar. The guy, when you read this book, your, your eyes will pop out at how many times he lied. And it's not just the Mueller report. It's wild. But so Bill Barr lies to us all. He says, no obstruction, no obstruction. And remember, AG, remember the timeline here. He got the Mueller report, 448 pages, thousands of names, places, dates, you know, hundreds of footnotes at single space. And, you know, do you remember how long it took him to, to say, I've reviewed this stuff, no obstruction? It took him a weekend. He got it on a Friday mm-hmm. night. He issued his finding on a Sunday. I mean, what a bunch of Sorry, what about, I was going to swear. I know you encourage swearing, but what a bunch of <laughs> crap that is. And and by the way, nobody should have been shocked. Nobody, I don't think, was shocked because Bill Barr told us exactly what he's going to do because he wrote his audition memo before he even got the job, which he then lied about during his congressional hearing. But he told us he was going to do this. He did it. And now this new memo, so Crew, which is this transparency group in D.C., said, we, we want to see this memo. Because And DOJ, in order to resist that, tried to suggest or tell the judge, Amy Berman Jackson, a very <laughs> smart judge, oh, judge, that's a pre-decisional memo, meaning we don't have to turn it over because it's a legal memo that Bill Barr carefully studied and considered. Now, if that's true, you go, okay. I mean, it's still BS. There's still no way he made a true decision in 48 hours. But at least maybe he went through the motions and looked at some legal research. And the judge, though, said, again, BS. That's not what that memo was. It was not pre-decisional, which means they're essentially trying to backdate it to make it look like Bill Barr actually had a process when, as we all have known from day one, he was in the bag for Donald Trump from the start. Sorry, I'm getting all riled up. I'm doing my audio book this week, so I have to, I have to, I have to, I I don't know if they're going to want me to calm down or rile up, but 
Um, and if you know, it's all right because you can't, you couldn't even backdate it more than a day because he didn't have the report <laughs> until the twenty fourth or whatever. So right. it's like it was totally post hoc, and he's he's known for this, right? Yeah. I, I I I'm no, I've joked several times on Twitter. Oh, don't worry, Bill Barr will just whip up a yeah. an OLC memo saying that he could do that, and he did that with the yeah. Ukraine. Uh, the withholding of the funds. He's he's done it a bunch of times. His M.O. Let me just add one other thing, because this is like a a point of mine. Bill Barr is a smart guy, but he's not brilliant. And and, and I hear people a lot of times say Bill Barr is very, very smart man. No, he's not. He's not. And I'm not saying he's dumb by any means. In fact, I say in the book, he's a smart man, but he's a six. He's not a 9.5. And the way (laughs) you know that is because when you look at these memos, they're crap. They're crap. He's a master of making these memos sort of look good like he he lards them with these citations but the citations are beside the point like the citations are to obvious points in the law but not the disputed issue and when it comes to when you really look at the key issue he often has nothing he often has a very flimsy veneer on what he does so anyway Felt the need to, to say that. No, you're right. And uh, I, I, when I when I read this news, I immediately thought of you in your book and thought, <laughs> "Ah, he's probably already sent it to print." And yep. I was like, "I bet he knows now what it was like to be on the Mueller team and yeah. to want to put your report out, but having obstruction crimes continue to happen I over know. and over." And but, over but again. on the topic, sorry, not to go on another bender here. But I'm also critical of the Mueller team in my book because, mm-hmm. as we all know, they left the door open, right? And, and Mueller, I think his report. Not as the fact findings in his report have, have been remarkable, right? Held up remarkably well, but his legal conclusion or non-conclusion really has aged poorly. And by by leaving that door open of oh, who's to say we're not exonerating, we're not, but, but, but you, you know, we all remember that. I call it Yoda speak. You know, this double negative backward syntax crap. What does he do? He leaves the door wide open for the biggest dissembler of all, Bill Barr, jump into the fray. And by the way. Mueller said, oh, you know, I can't say because we can't charge him. The the special counsel regulations say that the special counsel shall explain his prosecutorial or declination decisions, meaning you need to say I would prosecute or not. And I think I think Mueller dropped the ball there. He, he It's not, you know, he's to blame because I think he had good intentions. But the problem is he left the floor open for this liar, Bill Barr, to come in and lie away. And that's what he did. Sure, sure. I I have a little respectful disagreement there only because of what's happening now with the McGann agreement to testify behind closed doors. If a criminal referral is made, uh, I I think that had Mueller uh, said that that Trump committed obstruction of justice without Trump being able to defend himself and face his accuser in a court of law, he could have a pretty good appeal. If there were to be charges brought now, right, uh, but, like like that the jury was prejudiced or something. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I guess I would say you you would vet that jury much like the Derek Chauvin jury was just vetted, right? You would have to ask every one of them if you heard of this, and probably fewer people would have heard of that than than Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. And then you say, um, has it had any impact on you? Do you lean one way or the other? So there there's way it would have made jury selection more difficult, and I agree it probably would have given ultimately an appeal issue. But but it's it's you can deal with that. But um, yeah, there's there's a million angles on this. And by the way, I think one thing we do agree on, and I feel a little bit alone in beating this drum, is Merrick Garland cannot just walk away from this. I know it's easier. I know I know it's a mess to try to dig into an obstruction charge on the former president, but I've seen zero indication, official or through public reporting, that DOJ has any inclination of giving any serious consideration to an obstruction charge on Trump. 
They're still within the statute of limitations, but the impression I'm getting is they're just like, who needs this? It's out of the news now. Let's just move on. Well, that's why I'm kind of hoping that this McGahn testimony sort of provides yeah. a little bit of co- a little yep. political cover for Merrick Garland. If if a referral is made, he can say, oh, the Congress told me to do it. I didn't yeah. do it on my own. You know, so but who knows? Who knows what's going on in there? And we yep. will find out. Yep. We'll find out. We, we only have a year to find out. And, uh, I, and I hope <laughs> that in some small, small way, my book pushes people to think books yes. and newspapers and media can, can push you know, can move the needle. So uh, I hope that helps too. Yes. So you can help, you can help by pre-ordering Hatchet Man. <laughs> I'm now, signing. Before... I'm signing for everybody. There, there's, a, <laughs> there's a link for, uh, what do they call Book plates. So I will oh, sign awesome. for everybody. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, you can, you can pre-order it now. It comes out July yes. 6th uh, and make sure to follow Ellie on the socials. Check out the third degree podcast. Ellie Honig, thanks for your insight today. I appreciate it. Thanks AG. Appreciate it. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by Made For. Let's be honest, we've all made promises to ourselves that we didn't always keep. New Year's resolutions, new diets, start Monday, and on and on. But instead of beating ourselves up for not following through, there's a way to more easily accomplish these commitments. Made For can help you make a promise you can actually keep. Made For is a better way to create new habits that benefit your body and mind. Each month, you'll receive a kit with a 21-day challenge with one small action to do every day that you can easily integrate into your routine. No apps, screens, or devices are required. Uh, These simple tasks shift your mindset and behavior slowly over time, so you actually stick to your new habits long term. Made For uses neuroscience and positive psychology to support positive habits, and uh, they do this around gratitude, mental clarity, movement, mindfulness, and so much more. Focus on one theme each month to help you achieve your fullest, happiest life over the course of 10 months. It's the wellness program you only need to do once. See results that last a lifetime. Uh, right now, Made For is offering listeners 15% off your order with promo code DAILYBEANS. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you order an intro box or the full program. So go to GetMadeFor.com and take control of your well-being and use promo code DAILYBEANS for 15% off. That's GetMadeFor.com and promo code DAILYBEANS. And today's episode is also brought to you by Monk Pack. Uh, this is so, I love Monk Pack. This is my new go-to snacking. It's amazing, uh, and it has close to no sugar. I'm always on the lookout for truly delicious, healthy snacks. I am a snacker. I love to graze all day. Usually, the healthier they are, the worse they taste. They often don't fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings, but that's why I'm glad I found Monk Pack. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who wants to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have a perfect balance of sweet and salty and a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but still manage to be soft and chewy. They come in delicious flavors like caramel sea salt, sea salt dark chocolate, and peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite right now is the caramel sea salt. It's so good. And since they're packed with protein, they're filling and satisfying. They're a perfect quick snack to indulge your sweet tooth without guilt. In addition to being keto-friendly, they're also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fats, sugar, alcohols, or artificial flavors. Enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars while working, running errands on the go after a workout. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the store. You can get it delivered right to your door. So try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for listeners. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, just go to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com and select any product. Then enter the code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. If you have good news, confessions, corrections, misheard lyrics, shared swears, limericks, what the mutt, find the cat, happy places, anything you want to send us, anything at all, start a new game. Hey, I'm down. Just do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And that's how you get all the information to us. And oh, my God, I've already seen the first picture, Dana. Oh, I know. I I may have skimmed. I didn't look at any of the breeds, but I may have skimmed through the pictures. Oh, my gosh. All right. First up from Drew, pronouns he and him. Hey. I'm a big fan of the show, and I've been listening regularly since MSW, the MSW days. I do landscape construction, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, cool. If you're in San Diego, Drew, let me know. Uh, it's been a hard year for me and my family, and your news with its unique sense of humor has really kept me going. My mom had open-heart surgery at the start of quarantine. We had a kitchen leak and had our kitchen sink torn out for six months, six oh months God. during lockdown. And my father was recently diagnosed with lymphoma and got really ill with a combination of chemotherapy and COVID. Right. He had... Both his Moderna shots, which most likely saved his life. One of our saving graces is our new pod pet, Huckleberry. Huck for short. His breed is below. He has become a beloved part of the family. He spends hours cuddling and playing with our Sphinx cat, Oberon. Obi for short. Oh, Oberon from, from Midsummer Night's Dream. And look at this little baby. Oh. <gasps> okay, so. There's got to be part, a little chihuahua in there. Part terrier. God Some kind of a terrier. God loves a terrier. Yeah, maybe and terrier chihuahua. What about Chinese crested? So tiny. I just want to start yelling, no. giving that stuff out. I don't really know what they look like. Poodle, maybe poodle in there, and a little bit of. Oh, we have one. More. Shih Tzu. <clears throat> oh, we have one more. Um, I also see cocker in that last picture. Oh, yeah, look at that. There's a lot. I see cocker oh. spaniel in that last picture. Oh, There's a lot going on with this. I really like sphinx. They're growing on me. All right, scan, scan, scan. Uh, this is a cavapoo. This is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and a poodle. Cocker Spaniel. Oh, cute. I yeah. just need that last picture. They added here that Cavaliers have neural and heart issues due to overbreeding, so this mix give us, gives us the cuddly nature of the calf with the brain of the poodle. That's the best combo. Note, it sounds like Drew's family has gone through a lot. We sent Drew a free premium Supercast feed so he could meet the wonderful people in the Beans community. Oh, so. you guys are so good. You're little angels on the air. Thanks for that production note. <sighs> and, um, and Drew, if you are a contract landscape contractor in anywhere in Southern California, let me know. I need some work and, and I will. I, 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 I bet you're amazing because look at this puppy. Anyone with a puppy like that has to be incredibly good at what right? they do. I would think so, too. And look at the way he trimmed that cat. Just kidding. Heather, this one's from Matt. <laughs> this one's from Heather, pronoun she and her. Hey, hey, Leguminati. Here I sit eating breakfast on this glorious spring morning, and Ernie the cat has decided to provide an offering to find the cat. Thanks again and again for being the best daily companions and friend dishes a girl could ask for during a global pandemic. Hearing the news from humans who are as disgusted and enraged about most of it as I am, but still managed to take a few minutes to smell the roses, has helped me keep a strangle hold on the modicum of sanity I can still fairly call mine. Mm. All right, let's find the cat. Is it behind the tree there, to the left of the tree? Is that a kitty? I think it's right in front of the towel. Or Is that a cat? No, nope, that's a dog. Look under the towel. Oh, yep. Uh, <laughs> I found the cat. You sure did. <laughs> Peeking out. Modicum, modicum. Modicum, modicum, modicum. modicum, modicum. Okay. Potato, potato. 
next up from Mary, pronoun she and her, I have two pieces of good news for this week. My first piece of good news is that both my husband and I got our first COVID-19 vaccine shots on Saturday, May 1st. Woohoo! Our first COVID-19 vaccine shots are scared. Are scheduled. I'm, I'm guessing they mean the second. Their second vaccine shots are scheduled for Saturday, May 22nd. My second piece of good news is that my 36th birthday was last week. I celebrated my birthday. Yes, indeed. Happy belated. I celebrated my birthday by buying and then eating an ice cream cake. <laughs> <laughs> when my brother and I were kids, our mom would buy us each Carvel ice cream Yum. cakes for our birthdays. So in my head, the only right way to celebrate a birthday is with an ice cream cake. Those Carvel cakes are so good. so good. My mom was a health food nut, still is. But when we were kids, she would only let us have sugared cereal on one day of the year, and it was our birthday. But like we had a day to eat it. I would eat a whole box of sugared cereal one day because the next day it had to be out of the house. But it was special for that day. So we often did. Good stuff. Well, good. Happy belated birthday. Congratulations on first shot. Looking forward to second. This next one's from Amber, pronoun she and her. Hi, Beans, Queens, and pod friends. I have a bundle of good news. Misheard lyrics and what the mutt. First up, misheard lyrics. I didn't know what your opening song was until you started the misheard <laughs> lyrics segment on the show. Then all of a sudden, one day it came through crystal clear. News, let's hear it, was actually news with swearing. I also thought mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson's Behind Those Hazel Eyes was You Had Me Tantalized. That one seems very reasonable. (laughs) Makes no sense, but I still can't sing it correctly. Now for my good news. My 13-year-old son received his first dose of Pfizer today. Woo! When I scheduled his appointment yesterday morning, he was in a bit of a euphoric daze. He just kept saying, I'm getting a vaccine. This year has been rough on my extroverted boy. Then on the way to school, the thought hit him. He can now go to Cedar Point. Hailing from Ohio. Yes, I'm sure AG will know that Cedar Point is America's largest roller coaster amusement park. And certainly no Mm -hmm. place to go mid-pandemic. He missed going all last season. He asked us to take him tomorrow to celebrate his vaccine. So we had to remind him that he's not fully immune. Nice, good parenting. But we will take him very soon. All of his best buddies were all at the vaccine clinic today. The summer will be so much better for those boys than last. Finally, I submit my pup, Maverick, for What the Mutt. You've seen him before, and I've told you his breed, which is a mix of three others. But I'm wondering if you can correctly guess again. He will be one year old. I remember this, dude. This is Chow. There's a Chow. There's a Husky. Yeah. And a Malamute. I don't know what a Malamute is, but... Chow. Uh, Samiad. Oh. Uh... Gaysoon. Okay, I, think. I don't even know what words you're saying. I got the gay thing sound. The gaysoon. What is that? <laughs> that one. I, that one. I almost understood. <laughs> what? What's the word? No, no, I'm wrong. Yep. Look at the bottom here. Here we go. Okay. A Eurasian, uh, with a mix of Chow, Samiad, and Kishund, wow. which is a wolf spitz, not gaysoond. I don't know where I got gaysoond from, but the, you know, Dang it, that so I was too long. Uh, well, we got, we got, we knew the chow. Thank you for resubmitting those photos. What a gorgeous dog, too. Beautiful, beautiful doggo. What a honey. I love the snow face. That's so cute. Uh, all right. Next up, fun finally from Jason, pronouns he and him. Hi, ladies. Love your work. My good news is that I got tickets to Eurovision this year. Oh, God. I'm Australian, but I live in the Netherlands. So when NL won Eurovision in 2019, I was super excited to go. I missed out on tickets to the 2020 show. But COVID hit and it was canceled. This year it's running at 20% crowd capacity. I managed to get tickets. I'm so ridiculously excited. I cannot wait. Uh, uh, Pet Tax, the dog we sometimes dog sit, who is very comfortable in our house. He is, he's as close to a gimme as there is for what somebody, yeah. He's a Dalmatian. 
and maybe a lab if there's a mix, but yet they'd say he's a Dalmatian. So cute. Now, the Eurovision, um, I believe, let me see here. It's a song, the song contest. Is that, is that what this is? I actually don't know. I, I only know it as the movie. New Zealand. And I know it's not that. So I bet it is a song contest. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Own a boop, boop, boop. That must be what it is. But how, how cool is that? That's going to be amazing. That's awesome. It's going to be in New Zealand for the first time this year uh, with unknown artists. Um, blah, blah, blah. Launching pad for Swedish pop sensation ABBA in 1974, most successful competition. Uh, French-Canadian singer Celine Dion launched her career. Uh, Kiwis can watch the two semifinals in May. Do 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 do. That's going to be so cool for you. I'm so excited. Right, right on. High five. All right, and to end this segment, Kat, pronounced she and her, for months and months I've been listening to you spout schadenfreude, and I had no idea what schadenfreude was. I thought it was. I told you so since you declared all today's news schadenfreude. I said, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Fine, let me just Google it. AG, it's even better than I could have imagined. Finding joy in others' misfortune sounds awful, but no, it's fantastic when the right people suffer the consequences of their misdeeds. Schadenfreude is my new favorite word. How could I live over 40 years and um, not knowing and using this wonderful word? I even like typing it, schadenfreude. <laughs> You're welcome, cat. Yeah, schadenfreude, it's... it's it's a good word. Uh, I, those Germans are crafty at putting long words together that, that means very specific things. Schadenfreude. Thanks for adding the A at the end, Schadenfreude, for me before someone corrected. Freude. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I can't say it uh, any other any other way. Um, just because of that. I think it was, was it Avenue Q that that song was in? I think oh, so. Oh, God. It's one of the ones I didn't see. Um, but anyway, awesome musical, awesome word, awesome song. So thank you very much, Kat. And thanks to all of you for submitting all of these incredible things and good news pieces and, and whatnot and what the mutts find the cat. That was fun. And the misheard lyrics. If you have anything you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Any last words, Dana? Uh, no, everyone have a wonderful week. We are, God, almost getting to the end of May. We're kicking off the second half of the month. This year is flying by. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I I was just so surprised how fast March went. I'm still missing, like April didn't even exist. Here we are mid-May. So anyway, until we talk again tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.